There, Bafana legend tips South Africa for AFCON glory. South Africa needs new heroes. You, Yeah, I see what you mean. You've done a few interviews, but <laughs> it's quite a bit that comes up here. But, I mean, you were part of the 96. I mean, come on. Credibility-wise, are you kidding me? And you're just a legend in general, so it's all good. All right. Welcome to the CS Duplicy Show. Thanks for liking and subscribing and spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Big shout-out to our partners at Betway. Check out betway.co.za for more information. The Betway SA20 has been on. It's been phenomenal. And obviously, football plays such a huge part. So check out betway.co.za for more. We've got AFCON. We've got the Premier League, best league in the world. It's all happening. And we've got someone who I've been a huge fan of for many, many years. I've been privileged to work with him um, in television studios, working on the Premier League. I think Andre Aron said, if I'm not mistaken, there was... Was it a League Cup game? You, me, and Sean Bartlett were in the Super Sports studios when, back in the day, they still did Premier League and English football. And the pitch was frozen. And I think it was someone like, I don't know if it was a Liverpool against like Scarborough or something, you know what I mean? It was something like that. But with a frozen pitch, we spent about half an hour talking about mushy peas and pies and getting hot tea at the game. And I remember... There were a few journalists that wrote about what we were talking about at that time because we had to fill 30 minutes or whatever it was. But at that time, I just I loved working with you. And it's great to see you again, man. And uh, yeah, how are things going these days? I'll tell you what, it must have been one hell of a conversation we had <laughs> back then that we had journalists sort of um, it was. talking about it and, and setting the scene. But um, I, I vaguely remember it. Long time ago. It must have been filled with a little bit of nonsense because it doesn't spring to mind immediately when you mention that. It was but absolutely nonsense involved. It was, it was but it was, uh, it was just great because at that time, working on that league and on those competitions – being able to tap into someone who's been there and done that. I mean, Fulham, Oxford, you name it. You and Sean were both part of that South African sort of influence on English football. And I mean, I think that was super cool to be able to share what you did on, on game day when it was frozen. No one wants to play in minus two degrees and sleet, but you have to, right? You have to. And I had, I had an experience of that myself back in the day. Um, but but just to take a step back further than that, is and we've got to talk about the platform that 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 brought us there. Um, and Sean will tell you the same. And um, you know, with Afcon on at the, at the moment, um, it was that Afcon back then in '96 that provided that platform for us to just go and uh, fly away out the country and 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 try and put down roots in 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 in, in Europe and, and build careers um, over there. And so, um, you know, we were very fortunate, both Sean and I, and if I speak from a personal experience, um, you know, that journey took me, took me all the way to Fulham Football Club at the time. And um, you talk about frozen pitches. Um, I was driving um, from my place uh, in Surrey to, uh, to Craven Cottage uh, one game day, and um, it was literally snowing down like you can't believe. And I'm driving through Putney High Street um, just before getting to Craven Cottage, thinking to myself, Tell you what, they're going to send us back home. There's no <laughs> ways we're going to play this game in such weather conditions. And um, and we rock up at the stadium, and the referee takes out an orange ball. Said, "Come on, game's on. Here we go." <laughs> and that was my first real test with uh, with playing uh, with the orange ball in the white snow. But what an experience! Fun what memories, I'm fun sure. memories, absolute fun memories. Yeah. 
So, I mean, as you said, 96 was an incredible moment for South African football. I mean, um, as you said, kick-started a lot of careers. And when that tournament sort of ended, you guys were champions of Africa. It was the f you know first time. I mean, South Africa had been in isolation for so long. That must have been an incredibly proud moment. Did it, did it dawn on you what impact it would have at that time? Because it was... It, a truly remarkable performance from a very talented group of players. It was, it was. And, um, you know, it, it, it never at any stage dawned on us in the build-up to the tournament itself because all of a sudden we were not supposed to host the, the, host the, the tournament. And all of a sudden we're going, hey, guys, would you host this for us? Um, and still we went, yeah, no problem. You know, fantastic. Give us an give us an opportunity to play um, on the biggest stage of African football against some of the best African countries. Um, and we thought, well, what a good opportunity that was. Now, bear in mind, leading up to the tournament, we had had a baptism of fire in international football from 1992 all the way through, hosting it in '96, and um, and we never at any stage felt like we could compete with any of those teams. But we thought, hey, what a great opportunity for us to just, you know, see how we go against the best in Africa. Yeah. And, um, and that's what it was. Um, and so Clive Barker started, he's, um, you know, he's, he, he started building this, this squad of players where, where he thought, I need, a, I need a group of individuals who I can mold together. Um, and he did that so remarkably well. Um, everybody knew what their roles were, what was expected of them. And um, and yet still going into the tournament, that opening game against Cameroon, we thought, oh, what a team this is. Let's just go and see how we can compete against them. And I remember it like it was yesterday. After that 3-0 um, result in the opening game, he sat us down in the change room after and said, we could win this. Wow. And I literally, to this day, saw the belief on every single teammate around me as he said those words. And I think that was the... It was the, 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 the sort of invite, if you like, um, the challenge or throwing down the gauntlet when everybody said, yeah, we could win this. That's incredible, man. Um, take us inside that change room. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some larger-than-life characters in that, yeah. in that change room. Big personalities, talented players, but like you said, as a collective, the common goal was clear. And after that result, you're going, hey, maybe, maybe the coach is onto something here. Maybe we can. Yeah. And the belief was instant. It, it really was. Um, you know, you speak about larger-than-life characters. Um, you know, the nation builder, as he calls himself. Um, he was one of those larger-than-life characters, both on and off the field. Um, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're stuck with a group for six, eight weeks um, before and during the, the tournament, you need, you need an escape. Um, and Williams was one of those escapes. He was always joyful. Uh, joyful um he was always getting the guys going you know having a laugh that kind of thing and everybody responded to that mm. um so your different characters were there um i i remember uh, in the build up to the nations cup we 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 used to play all these four simba four nations tournaments it was a real real good sort of um uh, tester for us uh, you know we'd invite these top african sides to come and play in the tournament and uh, that was our development really um, you know, you, you, you're looking at a, at, a, at a team at the time or a, or a group of players at the time 
who didn't come from any real development in their in their in their careers, um, because all of a sudden we were thrust back into international football, and um, their development literally was at club level. And I and I speak about lack of development uh, in a sense that my very first goalkeeper coach um, I got was was at the age of 25, and that goalkeeper coach was Clive Barker himself. Wow. Um, so he was very particular about giving the time to specific positions within the squad, um, and goalkeeper was one of them, and he he took the sessions himself. So that was my learning, and um, and uh, I remember um, in the build-up to it, one of the Four Nations uh, tournaments we played against um, Egypt in the final, and um, and the striker at the time, I don't know what happened, outside the box, and he turned and he rifled one in the top corner, and um, to this day I literally don't know how I saved it, um, <laughs> just got a finger to it, and it um, and it and when I was like, oh, you beauty, what a save that was, and then Mark Fish at the time, who was, he must have been about 21 at the time, youngest in the team, came to me and said, well done, but that's your job. <laughs> and um, I went, hey, there is a bit of perspective for you. Absolutely. So we had all those characters in the yeah. squad, and that was great for everyone. Gee, that's amazing. Um, and when it was all said and done, uh, I mean, it must have been something else. I mean, there's those photos of you guys, Madiba, I mean, at Safa House, and I often think, that must have been something unbelievable. I mean, uh, like goosebumps sort of thing, you know, pinch yeah. yourself moment. Yeah. And, you know, so yes, to, to this day, I get people coming to me and saying, what a fantastic squad you had and you guys were great. You, you Players were, 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 were so determined and so talented. There was no way you were not going to win the, the, the African Cup of Nations in that year. Um, I, I, I can't accept that as the only, um, the only component to us winning that, that that league title. It's just as though the stars were aligned and everything was together, um, you know, from from the political state of the country that was turning around um, to the squad of players at Clive Selectors, to the supporters, um, just to just to everything around it. And, and I think it was at the time where the association ran South African football for the players for the players and the success that the players could potentially bring to the country. And that, that, that says a lot about, about the journey and how we, how we set about going, um, going through the, the actual tournament itself. Um, and so, and of course you're right, our secret teammate or weapon was Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Um, there's no question about it. You know, he'd rock up at, at our, at our, um, at our, um, at our hotel every morning on the morning of game day to come and have breakfast, breakfast with us and tell us how that important we are. must have been wild. Insane, insane. He was such an early riser, so he'd rock up <laughs> at like five in the morning <laughs> and we've got to go to breakfast with him. But I tell you what, we looked forward to it. Yeah. Um, his visit every day. And I can't describe the feeling. When he left us on that morning, we felt like we were already one all up in the game and we hadn't, hadn't even got to the stadium yet. Um, and that was the... That was the, the, the inspiration that he brought to the team every time he visited. And it's that presence, isn't it? it, yes. it, it I mean, I never had the opportunity to – I saw him like yeah. from a distance in yeah. my capacity as a journalist. I never interviewed him. But everyone that I've spoken to – and uh, Brian Mitchell tells the story of his phone rang one day when he won the world title and Nelson Mandela wanted to, to meet him. And he was like, no, it's Leon Schuster playing a joke on him. And the next thing he's on a plane to Cape Town and he said – as Nelson Mandela was walking into the room, you just had this incredible presence. Like you didn't know what to say, but you knew you were in the presence of someone great. Yeah. So he 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 took 
you took the personal time to to write me a letter um, after we'd won the the, the the Nations Cup, and I think he did that with with every player. Um, and he made reference to um, my clean sheet record that I'd kept. So he'd literally, obviously, done his homework, uh, clean sheet record that I'd kept, and and how well I'd been doing for the team. And he it came from his office, and he and he, and he signed it personally, signed it. But um, the true mark of the man was every time you met him, he would ask you first and foremost how your family was by name, wife, kids, by mm. name, by name. And um, that just sat deep in the heart. Yeah. So that was the power that he possessed in terms of the support he gave to the team. We miss Madiba. We miss him. Big time. Um, wow, that's special. You just blew my mind a little bit there, Andre. Thanks for that. Uh, you threw me off because I was actually going to ask a very – pertinent question now i've co completely forgotten the we'll question. get back to thank it. No you worries. for that um <laughs> but yeah as i say like that feeling of being crowned african champions and and we are harping on this there's a lot more to your career than 96 and we will get to the incredible time that you've had um 436 games i think as we said professional career pretty much sums it up I and reckon. you were a late bloomer as you told me late bloomer so you've done pretty well you must be quite happy with your career though if you look back now if if I look back, um, I I always wanted to build a legacy mm. um, through through my career, um, and and to this day as a reminder, and I and I and I I've got this particular slide in talks that I do to kids, corporates, football people. Um, I built a, a timeline of my career, um, and my timeline stops off here and there, the highs and lows the achievements, what it took, um, all of those things, as a, as a guide um, to, to anyone who wants to build their own timeline. Um, cause, because it's important. Yeah. Um, that's your legacy right there. And I'm very happy with, um, with, 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 with how that timeline's turned out. Um, I wouldn't change anything except for one moment in my life in the World Cup. But we'll, we'll probably get to that, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, look, I think people tend to take for granted what you put in to a career. And I mean, you had almost a decade with Bafana Bafana. Um, you've played, as I say, Fulham, you've played uh, locally, but the amount of hours that you've put in behind the scenes as a goalkeeper, people don't realize how many thousands of hours it takes to be successful. And like you said, there wasn't a development program or pipeline at that point. It was the club football. And at that time, we had a very competitive club sort of scene that wasn't the PSL we know today. But you guys, the competition was stiff. Yeah. You guys were week in, week out, playing the best football. And I don't think people appreciate how hard you guys have worked to get to where you got. And I mean, there was a lot of sacrifice along the way. Yeah. I will say it takes a large degree of commitment. Mm. Um, there's no doubt about that. It's not a part-time thing. It's um, it's it's certainly not um, something you can do as a as a sideline hustle, if you like. Yeah. Um, because there, there's just too much effort and time required for you to reach the top level of your game. Um, and I'm sure, as it is in any kind of uh, business or uh, you know or um, wherever anybody wants to go or take their careers, and, and depends on the heights they want to do that at. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of sacrifice, um, you know. And the modern the modern day footballer cannot seem to grasp the 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 idea that back in the day we had day jobs. 
Um, <laughs> and we went to training after knocking off at five o'clock. So what was your day job back in the day? So um, so I'll tell you the story. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was working for Old Mutual at the time, okay. uh, down in Cape Town, um, as, a, as a junior clock, literally junior clock, um, you know, filing paperwork and stuff like that. And, uh, and along comes the African Cup of Nations, and um, we end up winning it. And I get back <laughs> to the office, and they send me upstairs to the third floor, where I've now joined the marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not, hey? <laughs> I said to them, um, are you expecting any qualifications for this job? <laughs> no, you've got one big qualification. And, um, <laughs> and so, so that was it at the time. Yeah. Um, and I remember, um, and they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, I sort of started to work closely with our sales staff um, at the company. And um, I'll never forget it. Uh, I... I got selected to go and play in a FIFA All-Star team. Um, and this was around 1997, 1997 uh, over in Hong Kong. And we played against the Hong Kong 11 team because of the, the handover of independence back to, to, to the country. And um, played in that, uh, in that particular game. And before I left Hong Kong, I got a call from my agent to say, don't go back home, just come straight over to, to London. Fulham have got a contract on the table for you. I was like, oh, fantastic. Um, and my wife and I hopped a plane, went straight across to, to London um, and checked in at a hotel. And um, I was I was about an hour away from traveling across, um, first and foremost, to um, to Craven Cottage and then to Harrods because Mohammed Al-Fayed had just bought the club. And, um, and I got this phone call in my hotel room and I answered it and, and I said, hi, Andre, um, uh, this is Harry Redknapp. And I went, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. Yeah. And, sure. um, and he said, no, no, I kid you not. It's Hattie Redknapp. Um, I believe you're in town and you, you, you're on your way to Fulham. Um, I wanted to, I wanted you to come and, and spend some time at, uh, some time with me at, at, uh, at West Ham. And, um, because he'd explained to me that Shaka Hislop, who was the goalkeeper then was planning to retire. And, uh, he was dead honest with me and said, I cannot offer you a contract right now, but I want you to come and spend some time. We'll have a look at you. I said, you know what? Um, I've made a commitment to Fulham, and I, I, I'd like to honour that commitment. And he and he said, no problem. You, you're going to be playing football over there. We'll have a look, and we'll keep we'll keep monitoring and that type of thing. Um, and and was and that was the agreement. And then an hour or two later, I drove down to uh, to to Harrods and signed the the contract on the on the sports floor at Harrods. And the first thing I said to Mohammed Al-Fayed was, um, can I use your phone? <laughs> <laughs> I picked up the phone and I called my boss at Old Mutual in Cape Town. I said, I'm not coming back, boss. <laughs> so that decision was made for you. That decision was made for me. <laughs> but they knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And they were very supportive. So, yeah. That must be one of your proudest moments, yeah. signing for Fulham. Proudest moments. Yeah. Um, I mean, we AFCON not, was one thing. Yeah, AFCON yeah. was one thing. Um, it, was, it was the ultimate dream. Mm. Besides playing on the biggest stage of world football, um, the ultimate dream was to play in Europe, play in England. Yeah. Um, Fulham wasn't in the in the Premier League at the yes. time; it was a division lower. But what a great stepping stone that was! Um, and um, and oh, it was a massive one signing for them. Some may even argue that the football is even more competitive at that level. Way more competitive. Um, There's more games, more teams. I tell you something: I didn't get to start many games yeah. um, in the Fulham first team. Um, but what was what was such a delight and an honour for me was to work with Kevin Keegan. Um, legend. legend of the game, 
loved the way he coached the game. Um, you know, he, he, he had very high standards, um, expected uh, 150% all the time, and he wouldn't allow you to slack, and that's what I needed. Um, and that helped me in my, in my personal game. Yeah, I recently, not read, listened to his, his book, and like just how the Fulham sort of chapter... Mm. He was so excited and, and building that momentum and that. And he was uh, a wonderful character. And like you said, in some ways transformed the way teams played football because it was about attacking. But that work ethic was always there. He was always looking for that 1%. Um, it must have been something just being in that environment all the time and just absorbing all that knowledge because you are a student of the game. Yeah. Um it was the it was the levels at which we worked, yeah. and what he did was he brought in Ray Wilkins, also another England legend, um, and the two of them worked together, um, and he, he was very hands on. And what I liked about it, and and I got a lot of development, goalkeeping development out of his sessions because what he what he did so well was combine, um, he, he, he'd combine striker versus goalkeeper training methods. Okay, um, and so that just got you working on such a, a higher level that you had to keep up with it. And um, it was really, really good for my game. Do you have um, one particular game that you will always remember in the, in the Fulham colors? I know you've, mm. you've played in many other teams, but is there one maybe moment where you were like, wow, you know, I've, I'm proud yeah. of myself. Yeah. Um, so it's when, 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 when he first took over. So when, when Mohamed Al-Fayed bought the team, he, he straight away, he brought in. Because I, I was signed under Mickey Adams, who was the coach at the time. Sure. And, um, and then, must have been about a month later or so, um, he brought in, uh, he, bought, he took over the club and brought in uh, Kevin Keegan and Ray Wilkins. And, and they brought in some of their own players. So Mike Taylor had come in. He was a preferred choice and that mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, but, but for me, what, 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 what stands out as well is, um, even though Mike was the number one at the time, we had this sort of preseason friendly, and Kevin Keegan said to me, um, "I'm going to play you today." We played against Charlton Athletic. Um, Sean wasn't there yet. Sean wasn't there yet. Um, we played the Matt Craven Cottage, um, and he and he said, "Well, show me what you can do." Um, <laughs> no pressure. <Yeah. laughs> um, and I had a really, really good game. Really good game. Commanding. Yeah. Um, you know, kept up with it, um, and he was he was very impressed with it. Um, and and it's sort of uh, sort of so fulfilling um, where you can go. Well, I'll show you. Um, and he liked that. He liked that. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the one of the moments that stood out for me. And 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 also, it combines with the one time that I I didn't honour a national team call up. Um, shame we on you. Shame on me. No, I'm, I'm shame kidding. On I don't, me. No, no. Shame on, no, you know. Listen, because it's a it's shame a contentious not, issue. Well, yes, shame on me is not far wrong because I'm very, very big on honouring national yeah, team call-ups. Exactly. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, I went. Uh, I went to Clive, and um, we were we had just secured a friendly against Germany in Germany, um, and um, on that very same day we were playing an FA Cup game, Fulham, and I was due to play. And I said to him, it's always been my dream to play in the FA Cup. Absolutely. And he <laughs> said, go for it. Oh, you, oh then that's great, it. though. Yeah. It wasn't bad it. blood or anything. No, it wasn't bad blood. And uh, how did the FA great. Cup game go? Um, brilliant. We won the game 2-1 um, against Margate. Oh, wow. Yeah, of all, of all teams, Margate. It's the beauty of the FA beauty. Cup. It's the FA Cup, and I'll <laughs> take it. It's on the CV. Um, 
when you when you moved on from Fulham and your career sort of moved on, um, how did that sort of make you feel? Because I think when you start playing football, you never really think of the end. Um, but as you progress, Father Time doesn't wait for anyone, yeah. as the saying goes. But is it sort of a mental shift that you have to make, you know, to move on to the next club as you go? Because I can imagine that the heights of signing for a club like Fulham, which is still one of the oldest clubs in the, in yeah. England. It's yeah. one of the most famous clubs. The ground speaks for itself. Um, and I'll ask you about the change rooms at some point because it always blows my mind when the players walk out and they're standing out in the open. <laughs> it's not like the Etihad or the state, you know, or St. James is even the small little tunnel. It's, it's Anfield. Yeah. But that mental shift of changing clubs, changing scenery, having to fit in to a new environment, it must be tough. Yeah, it comes with its own with its own set of challenges. Um, you know, at the time I left Fulham, I wasn't getting a lot of game time, um, and I needed to try and maximize my time over there because I'd learned from it the previous year. Because I'll tell you the story: um, 1998 World Cup year, and um, Philip Trouzier was taking the team to France at the time. Came across to London and to come visit me, and I wasn't playing a lot of games. And he came to check on my fitness levels and see where I'm at. Um, and I was very honest with him, and, I, and he, but he said to me, I don't care, I want your experience in the squad and I'm going to select you. And he selected me and we went across to the World Cup. And um, I just signed a three-year deal with Fulham. And um, the ruling at the time was, um, even though you sign, let's say, for example, a three-year contract, you still have to play 75% of first-team games in your first season to warrant being staying uh, or work permit, yeah. uh, for, for, for your work permit to be extended for another year, oh, wow. another year. Yeah. and I fell way short of that my first year. So there I am over in France, um, and I'm thinking, well, I'm after the World Cup, it's back to London, pack up my stuff and go back <laughs> home to Cape Town because I hadn't played enough games. Yeah. And lo and behold, my, my wife at the time, she, she went to um, uh, their, uh, their offices there, and um, she, she, uh, she discovered that her, her grandmother was born in Burnley. Oh, wow. Um, and because that was the case, my wife got a four-year ancestral visa, and all she had to do was hop on the Eurostar, come and get me over in France and bring me back into the country. <laughs> so um, to this day, we still chat about it and have a good old laugh about it. Absolutely. Um, so you should support Burnley. 100%. You should, I should not be supporting. I should support Burnley. Uh, I should. Well, Lyle's given me a, an Abs opportunity no, fair to, to, to support them anyway. No, great job there. So, um, so I managed to see it all, all through. And then... I got an opportunity to go to Oxford United. Um, uh, I had um, I had one of their, their scouts, Mark Harrison, who was the assistant coach at the time. He came and had a look at uh, at, at one of the one of the um, reserve team games that I played in at Fulham, and then brought me across there. Um, had a much better time there in terms of game time um, until I I finished up at Oxford United and then had to make a make a serious call on 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 what what the future would hold. Um, so. There's a lot that of emotions. That couldn't have been easy. Hey? A lot of emotions that go in, yeah. going into it. Because um, my future was based on, on 1998, where I missed out on an oh. opportunity to play in the World Cup, literally picking up a knee injury at the day before the opening game against France. And that I was a that's massive cruel, blow. Hey? Massive blow. I was in very emotional about it. Um, I had the operation in France and stayed with the team, um, but obviously could not play a part in, in the team. And... and that very same day after having that operation, I, my mind was already working towards 2002 okay. in Japan, Korea. 
and and I I had long discussions with my family in terms of how I'm going to maximize my opportunities to get into the squad in 2002 and ultimately the decision was I'd, I'd need to come back home and keep playing and revive my career and get myself into good fighting spirit in terms of um, playing at the highest level again and that that was what we did in the end it's always tough when I ask people about what's essentially the lowest point in your career I think yeah. missing out on, on playing in the World Cup um, in 98 just take me there w when it happened did you know you were in trouble like and what was going through your mind because mm. on the eve of playing the host nation in 1998 what i mean that's what dreams are made of it's like yeah. well, you know it's the yeah. biggest stage of them all and it's yeah. ripped away from you yeah well let's start with the emotions when full Singer netted that goal that got us there fair enough in 97. yeah wow um that was just celebration on another level um <laughs> and um our first ever participation in, in in a fifa world cup that's when we actually did qualify for world cups yeah. right you know that was <laughs> yeah. i'll answer that sorry, question that as politely as yeah, i can sorry but it's um, true though i mean it is true off the back of 96 yeah. or the squad you had and 2002 yeah you guys had that team that were yeah. powerhouses on africa in africa 100 percent and we had to get to a FIFA World Cup as quickly as possible because you had quite a few players off the back of 96 who were coming towards the yeah. end of their careers. And so we needed to get to a FIFA World Cup as quickly as possible. Um, it didn't go as, as planned because Clive had obviously left, left the job and that type of thing. But um, we get ourselves there and fantastic. Um, everybody's fighting for a, a spot in the, in the squad. Um, to play on the biggest stage of world football, and, and it was no different for me. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, a, it was the last training session, the day before the opening game against France um, at Marseille Stadium. We were doing a crossing draw, and cross comes in. I think it was big George Kamantaraikas at the time. He volleyed one my way. But I'm facing the cross, um, and as I turn to go and face George, who was lining up a shot, um, my my one leg kept facing the one way oh. and the rest of my body went the other way and I got stuck in the grass and it, I could just feel the knee pop. Oh, no. And, um, and so, um, so yeah, um, that was it. I, I knew exactly. I knew immediately when it went. I knew. That was it. Gone. Um, oh. I didn't know the extent of it. Yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, it was just a, a, just a, a very bad cartilage um, uh, injury that I sustained but needed surgery. And um, and bad enough that bad enough that it would force me out the uh, out the I had the operation the very next day so um, so um, so that was the that was the situation um, and um, funny story leading up to that I, I wake up in the hospital and I don't have anybody from from the national team around me so it's all foreign to me and I wake up and and I'm looking up and I see this male nurse standing above me very awkward now because. He can't speak English and <laughs> I can't speak French. <laughs> and we stand there. We literally eye each other for a minute. Okay. For a minute. And I can see that he wants to ask me something. Yeah. And, um, and he says to me, in sort of broken English, he says to me, you white? I went, pardon? <laughs> you white? And I go, hey. <laughs> I said, the first thought goes from my mind, I said, Buddy, I'm a I'm a colored boy from Cape Town. What are you talking about? 
And um, he picks up this little bottle on the side of my bed and he says, kilo? I said, oh, you want to know my weight? <laughs> and um, yeah. and that was us having a good old chuckle because we, we both knew that, you know, we were trying to, <laughs> trying to get to a common sort of, okay. sort of conversation here. Um, but um, as I said, stayed with the team and did my rehab with them, you know, came, got myself fit again and, uh, and the work was geared towards 2002. So that was one very low light yeah. in my career. There's you. another one to come. Don't worry about that. Um, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I, I just find it fascinating in, in that space. Like, you know, 2002, you're thinking about like, how do we, you know, how do we get there? Obviously there's the qualifiers and, and you must be thinking like, sure, am I, is Lady Luck going to, you know, be on my side for this one? But then you eventually get there. And 2002 was, I remember watching that as, as a kid going, this might be the great, that was my first 98. I don't think I was quite young enough to appreciate the, the World Cup at that point. I mean, old enough at that yeah. point. But 2002, I actually then understood football. I knew what the offside rule was. Right. Uh, we knew who Andre Arensa was, and it was just an amazing tournament. Like just to watch, I mean, being there must have been something else. Considering yeah. that you were fully fit and yeah. raring to go, um, it was a culmination of a few things. Uh, one of them, very very hard work from '98 to 2002, um, in terms of getting myself into. A you were back in South Africa, back playing in South Africa playing regularly. Playing. Yeah, yeah, um, and so old mutual, hundred <laughs> percent. And so it was. It was though the stars that aligned um, because. Um, 2001, um, I decided to come, to come back. And, and again, um, we, my wife and I were talking about, right, what are we going to do? And we said, we're going to go back. And as I said that, I, my phone rings over in London and it's Gulam Ali from Santos football club in Cape town. And he said to me, um, so what do you think? What are your intentions? Um, and I said, why? He said, um, if you're thinking about staying over there, no problem. If you're thinking about coming back to, to the PSL, you're going nowhere else but just coming to my club. And the first thing I said, okay, well, tell me who's your coach. And he said, I've just signed Clive Barker. I said, I'll be there in two days. And, um, and that was the start of it. Amazing. That was the start of it. That's amazing. Um, and a season later, um, I ended up winning the, the PSL with, uh, with Santos. Very unfancied team. Won the PSL, won the league title then, and we're going into a World Cup year. And I felt like at the age of 35 then, approaching 35, I felt like I was playing the best football of my life. Um, and I needed to going into a World Cup. Why else did I need to? Because I was coming up against the likes of Brian, Brian, um, Brian Beloy um, at the time. I was coming up against the likes of Hans Funk, who was the number one um, in the team at the time. And I knew that that was going to be a massive task to to uh, dethrone either of those ones um, uh, in terms of the number one jersey. Um, and going into the two and 2002 Nations Cup in Mali in January, that was the first protocol. So the association had brought in um, Carlos Queros, who was tasked with taking the team through the, the Nations Cup into the World Cup in 2002. It didn't work with him. Um, unfortunately, after the the the, um, the the Nations Cup in Mali, he he he'd left. Um, but um, Hans Funk had played through the Nations Cup, so I wasn't expecting to be the number one in the World Cup, to be honest. Um, but was happy to just just give it my all. Um, and then Jen, and then Joe Mosona took over the team and took the team into the World Cup in two thousand and two. 
Um, and I thought, let me give myself a chance here. And, and I played um, in some of the friendlies um, and really worked my socks off because I had to. And Jomo liked that. Um, and he, in fact, I got my 50th cap in Hong Kong against Turkey. Um, no score draw, man of the match performance um, in that game. Um, and Turkey went on to be semi-finalist in the wow. in the um, in the World Cup that particular that particular year. So it was um, it was it was a good payoff, if you like. Um, you know, all the hard work and that. So I was very happy to to play on the biggest stage of world football at the time. Just. Just uh, take me there, standing between the sticks. Match is about yeah. to kick off. It's a World Cup game. Yeah. What's going through your mind there? Oh, there must be butterflies. Massive. Uh, the butterflies were, were banging the drums, I can tell you <laughs> that. They were absolutely banging the drums, but in a really good way. Um, and um, just just the, the atmosphere, just the realization that the eyes of the world are on you. And, and this is the biggest stage of world football. Um, and so... Up, up comes Paraguay um, in the opening game. And what a game that was, end-to-end -end stuff. We ended up drawing, drawing the game 2-2. Um, but I was called upon to make so many saves in the game and, uh, and deal with the enormous, enormous Roca Santa Cruz. Um, he's that one of the name. most yeah. imposing strikers I've ever come with. He meant Teddy Sheringham. Um, imposing strikers. And what a test that was for us as a defense and also for me as a goalkeeper. That's and, amazing. Um, yeah. So not a bad start. Yeah. Um, taking a point off it. And then we get to Slovenia. Um, I thought we deserved to win that 1-0, as the scoreline suggested in the end. And um, that sets us up nicely with, uh, uh, with four points. And we're thinking, oh, we've got a chance here. And, of course, then you, get, you come up against the mighty Spain, <laughs> riddled with, with, with talent and, and, and rock stars. And ability, rock stars of the game at the time. Um, and... Um, you know, we 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 go we head into that game, and uh, I still keep my place in the team, which 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 was fantastic. Um, and uh, we we and I know the scoreline was the scoreline, but we we more than held our own um, against that team um, in, in in various aspects of the game. Uh, in possession, we we were fantastic. We we played some really good football. They really forced us to defend um, and, and, and got the, the better of us in certain defensive moments. Um, but it's always going to be the goal I conceded against Raul. Um, and to this day, <laughs> I get the odd tweet here and Are there. Are you still, oh, to still this do. day, I still 20 do. odd years 20 later? 20 odd years later, I, I still get it um, <laughs> and, and, and have to deal with it. But Raul I, was, I mean, come on. Yeah, it was, I mean, listen, uh, I'm not looking for excuses, but I mean, that's the best in the game at the yeah. time. Um, but um, it was a it uh, it turned out to to have a, a mental health effect on me. Really, it really did. It really did, and not so much the incident. Yeah. Um, at the time, um, it, w it, w it was things around it. Um, you know, first and foremost, if I go back to the incident, oh, my, you know, let my team down, let my country down, my family. Biggest stage. Biggest stage yeah. in the world football. Everybody's watching. You know, you feel like you want to spay, just dig it up and craw crawl inside. Um, that kind of thinking, yeah. you know. And then I quickly realized, hey, I've got to get on with this. Um, the game's still going on. Yeah. And, um, and I remember it. After the game, uh, it's amazing how the emotions play even further ha havoc with you. I'm sitting in. So my luck, um, I'm one of the players that's going, got a, was called to go and have a doping test because oh. they call you. Uh, random. Yeah, it's random. It's random. Exactly. It's random. 
So it's me. So I remember, and you got to remember that the final games all played at the same time. So Slovenia, Paraguay, they were all playing. They're both playing at the same time. And I remember sitting in the doping room, massive TV screen above, and I see, um, I see Paraguay celebrating. Um, it turned out that Paraguay had beat us to the knockout stages. Guess by goal one goal. Oh, jeepers. One goal. So that must have um, really... Yeah. So then it hits home. Oh, jeepers. Then it hits home. And um, it was a very, very tough time. But I think where the mental health issues came in for me was was on my return home. Um, we were... we would, we'd World Cup's done. We just got back into the league for the for the local league season for the following year. And I remember... Um, I was on a team bus traveling back from Toyando at a game there, and it was against Black Leopards. And um, we'd sort of stopped halfway to pick up some food, and we decided to stop off at Nando's on the way, um, get the team some food on the bu- for the bus trip and that. And I got out the bus and walk, was walking across the road, and this car stopped right in front of me, and and one of the occupants of the car got out with a gun and so was sort of pointing it at me. But I didn't feel threatened. I've got to say I didn't feel threatened. But what he did say was that you sold the team um, and you should have got the death penalty for what you did. What? Um, so that hit hard. Yeah. That hit hard. And um, obviously my teammates were right around me and, you know, these guys just left again. And um, So it's things like that, that, that it took me a while to work through um, and to work my way around. Um, and can I tell you what played a massive role in turning it around for me? was it, it was about three years later, maybe a bit more, I just signed for Mamelodi Sundowns. And Mamelodi Sundowns got invited to play in the King's Peace Cup. Um, and it was in, 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 in Korea, in South Korea. Um, and the teams in our group were Real Sociedad, Tottenham Hotspur, and Boca Juniors. And we, we that opening game in the tournament, we play against Real Sociedad. Guess where? Daegu <laughs> Stadium. Same stadium oh, wow. that we played against uh, Spain. Sheepers. And I was a nervous wreck walking imagine. out of the stadium. But I walked away with the man of the match award. We, we won the game 1-0. And f- funny enough, it just it sort of calmed everything out of my system. And um, and yeah, and that was it from there for me. That's amazing. Um, it's interesting you touch on the mental health side of things. And... Mental health does not get enough attention, uh, you know, and we, we keep saying how people need to talk to people and, and reach out if you're feeling overwhelmed. And, and, and I think we are getting better at sort of facing this, but we've seen Lyle uh, struggle with, with Burnley, um, your manager, Jurgen Klopp, uh, leaving Liverpool after doing an incredible job. Yep. He's, he's without a doubt will be a legend of yep. Liverpool forever. Do you think that, pressure you know and you've dealt with the pressure at the biggest level in the world cup is something that we should be sort of teaching our kids to to deal with or educating them about because for me it feels like athletes coaches people involved at that level it just becomes more intense every season with this global spotlight on them yeah yeah that is such an important topic um, of discussion, and I think that it's a discussion that needs to take place more worldwide around the game. And we're talking football, soccer specifically yeah. now. Um, we, you can never prepare yourself or be prepared 
for for what comes with it. Um, there's nothing that teaches you. There's no there's no coaching course. There's no football course that teaches you how to deal with um, mental health issues. Um, and and I think that 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 based on the pressures that people are experiencing around the game, um, we should prepare our our juniors, our our kids through the development stages of of their careers already. Mm. Um, how we do that is very simple for me. We need to, what we need to do is is make these young people, um, girls or boys, make them aware that it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail um, because that's the learning part of it. Um, and, and I see how it hits these young people so hard when they fail. Um, and you wonder if they'll ever make it because um, of mental toughness or lack thereof. So I think that that's something that should play a bigger role in, in, in professional sport, uh, most definitely. It's something that someone, maybe they see a gap in the market, should take by the horns and say, we are going to build this part of, um, of professional sport um, to levels that will protect people. Um, rather than lose them to the game. And then that's going to be critical um, going forward. And as you now sort of continue your coaching journey, your, your next chapter, um, I suppose you see it even more and more as you get more entrenched, as you sort of climb the ranks, if I can put it that way in football, yeah. that that pressure is, yeah. it's just the scale as you get higher up the food chain. Yeah, 100%. And and I, I'm I'm actually beginning to see when, well, not see but understand when head coaches of football clubs um, say they never unpack their bags, never unpack their bags. It's literally at the front door because you just never know. Yeah, you just never know, and they're in a position where it's so quick to lose your job because it's a results-driven game um, that sometimes you you're without a job for long periods of time. And the mental health issue kicks in immediately, immediately. And so that's a, a massive part of it. Um, and you have to be, you, you, there's no doubt in my mind that at any part of the game, you have to be mentally tough. Um, and and if, you can, if you can master that or the art of, of doing it, then you're okay, yeah. then you're okay. Um, but um, when you're successful, it's fantastic. It, it really is. Um, and so it's difficult to explain it. So knowing what you know now about the sort of turnstile of coaching head coaches, mm -hmm. I mean, is that still part of that, that journey for you? I know as yeah. you continue to evolve in this space, yeah. being a head coach, uh, is, is that very much still on the, the trajectory, on the plan, the roadmap? Yeah, it is, it is a... It is a big part of, of where I want to go okay. one day. Um, I'm on my own coaching journey at the moment, um, and I'm starting to understand um, what it takes. Um, I, got a, I got a bit of a taste of it. I was going to um, say, you've, you've, you know, you've dipped your toe in. I've dipped my toe <laughs> in, and, and i tell you something. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I took over the team um, on, a t on an interim basis for about six games, the last six games of the season. Um, and, and I kid you not, when you're standing in that little block, um, in front of your, your dugout and you're directing traffic, um, 
And even though it was on, the, on, a, on an interim basis, I couldn't help but thinking to myself, you're going to get fired one day. You're going <laughs> right. to get fired one day. There's no two ways that's about it. It's, <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're going to get fired so one day. So that technical and area that's going. That's the pressures of yeah, the wow. technical area right there. Um, so you've got to be mentally tough, man. It's, there's no other way to do it. Would you say Clive Barker's been one of the guys that has shaped you into who you are today, not only as a goalkeeper, as a former goalkeeper, but as a goalkeeper coach to an assistant to an interim head coach? Is, is he, would you say he's played the biggest role in, yeah. in, in your football career? He has. He has. Um, Clive Barker along with Gavin Hunt. Okay. And I'll tell you why I'll start with Clive Barker because um, Clive Barker – what gave me my first sort of full circle moment, if you like, um, gave me my first international cap as a footballer, as an international footballer. I then, towards the end, became his assistant coach at Bidvest Vits. Mm. Um, so there's my full circle moment. Gavin Hunt was the same. Won two league titles with him at Supersport United as a player. Now he's assistant coach at Supersport United. So there's another full circle moment for me. But what I will say, CS, is that I've been very lucky and blessed throughout my career um, as a player and stepping into the coaching arena to have worked with some amazing people. Amazing people. Oh, I mean, I'm probably going to miss a few names, but I've got to mention a couple. You know, Clive Barker, for example, Gavin Hunt's another one that I worked alongside. Kevin Keegan, um, uh, uh, the, the likes of, of, of um, uh, uh, um, Ray Wilkins, who was his assistant at the time. Um, you know, uh, Stuart Baxter is another one who's, 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 who's actually a, a, an FA instructor um, in, in England. That's his background. So the learning that I had received, um, you know, over my years has been just, you can't buy that. Yeah. You cannot buy that. So as a player stepping into a coach, you take things that you feel could work for you. Um, and that's what I've been able to do thanks to the quality that I've worked alongside over these many years in the game. Um, and so the, the challenge for me is to, is to put all the little bits and pieces together once I become a head coach one day. And, I, and that's something I'm looking forward to. I'm jumping the gun here and forgive me. So if Liverpool came knocking, mm. well, Jürgen, Jürgen Klopp's going, would you be up for the job? Um, no. <laughs> Because they wouldn't come knocking because I'm nobody in the game. Trust me. No, no, but, no, no, no. But but listen, I mean, it's I mean, obviously, the next person in there, yeah, good luck. But you must have aspirations. I mean, would a Bafana Bafana job down the line be something that you would be open mm. to or consider? I know, as you well say, there's still some work to be done in terms yeah. of qualifications and yeah. and experience. But imagine that full circle moment. Oh, massive, massive. I'm a I am and always have been a huge fan of my national team. Um, there's, a, there's a distinct pride there, and that goes back many, many years. Um, and, and any and every potential coaching job that may or may not arise must be a consideration at the very least. Um, if you want to you know, better yourself and, and, and improve and uh, you know, become one of the greats of the game, and there are so many out there at the moment talking coaching greats, um, you've got to be a student of the game. You've got to keep learning. Mm. Um, and you've got to, you've got to, you've got, most importantly for me, you've got to stay humble. Um, you know, the, I, I always say that the game should never allow anybody to be bigger than it. Um, because then, that, then you make yourself nobody in the game. 
Um, and so you must always be prepared to learn. And, and that's the journey that I'm on at the moment. Well, I can tell you, and we've only got a few more minutes left, you are one of the nicest guys in football and, and may that continue forever. I hope that as a head coach that never changes because I'm a huge fan and I've always got on famously with you. Um, and you're a great ambassador for the sport, so keep up the tremendous work that you're doing, Andre. Before we go, can Liverpool win the league in Jurgen Klopp's final season at Anfield? Very good questions, yes. Um, I'm, I'm confident they can. Um, and and I say this, and, and what I have, what I must be true to saying is that this has not been performance-wise. This has not been one of Liverpool's best seasons, but it's also not been one of the other challenging teams' best seasons. Um, so it's been up and down. And I think if Liverpool can mount any degree of consistency going into the remaining fixtures, um, I think they've got a good chance. Now you. You, you're dealing with a bunch of players here who are going to go to the ends of the earth for Jurgen yeah. Klopp. And that means performances consistently. Yeah. And so the pressure is on. Yeah. But I think there are a group of players who can who can who can sustain that pressure. And last one, I promise, Ray is gonna shout at me, the executive <laughs> producer of the show. He's like, time, budget. Um, <laughs> who do you want to replace Jurgen Klopp? Because, Nobody. No, fair enough. I, I mean, obviously, but yeah. I mean Savi Lanza, so, so who are you looking at there? Yes, I haven't given it a lot of thought yeah. because the focus is on the team at the moment. Xavi's um, name's come up and he's been one of the most talked about to replace to replace uh, Jürgen. What I will say is that Liverpool have to get it right. Yeah, They have to get it right. Um, I don't want to see them having to change the manager six months down the line or a year down the line because it's not working. Um, it's not going to be good for the team, um, so they have to get it right. Um, but I'm interested to see which names are going to be popping okay, up. Okay, well, come on. Just, I mean, if you had to see a name there and go, yeah. you'd be, okay. Yeah. Because it can't be can't be a Steven Gerrard. No, it can't be. And I was hoping that, I think eventually, just depends yeah. on how, how Gerrard navigates his own coaching career yeah. and the moves he makes, I think eventually. But for now... The more I hear the name Xabi Alonso um, and what he's done so far, um, I go, why not? Why not? I just can't think of any other name, to be honest. And that's and that's testament to the standards that Jurgen Klopp's brought to the club. Phenomenal. So, um, so I'm going to be watching with a keen eye to see who comes in here. We could have a conversation just on we the could. coaching roles <laughs> in the Premier League. Andre Arantz, thank you so much. I mean, uh, firstly, congratulations on a... A remarkable playing career. Um, you've done the country very proud, and I can't wait to see what's next in your coaching chapter in, in this part of your life and keep on being an inspiration and just being an, an, a fantastic human being. Appreciate it, yes. And, um, you know, dare I say that it's always been my absolute pleasure when we get together and we have football chats. And so may that continue. So let's do it again sometime. Let's do it again. Thanks very much, everyone, for watching. You're watching the CS2 Plus C show. Shout out to Betway. Check out betway.co.za for more. Please like and subscribe. We really appreciate it.